0: I want to start today um, by mentioning to you some of the top headlines I've seen as I've been reading the news this week, just four of them. First one, uh, a much-loved TV star gets into his hot tub, enjoying life, seems like he has a heart attack or something like that, and he drowns. Number two. A young sports coach working at a prestigious Sydney high school. Uh, her ex-boyfriend is working there too, and uh, he gets her alone, and he kills her. And it seems like he's gone then and killed himself as well. Number three, fires rage across Queensland. At least, from, from what I read yesterday, at least 60 homes destroyed, plus other you know, sheds and things. And and two people dead. Number four, a professional ice hockey player is an American guy moves to the UK. He's playing in one of his first few games in the UK, and there's a horrible accident. He gets cut on his neck by a, a skate blade, and he dies.
1: There's just four news stories, right? There are plenty more like that though. Doesn't it make you wonder why? Why is our world so full of pain?
0: So in our church, we've been doing a series, um, What Do You Think God Is Like? See, recently, many of you all know this, we, we went and we asked our friends, What do you think God is like? And most people we spoke to were really positive in their responses. They said things like, Oh, God, God's loving. He's, he's a kind and loving Father. He shows love to us. But alongside this group, there were some people who said similar things. They they, they agreed, yes, God was loving, but they also found God confusing. Because he's loving, but then we live in our world and we see the kind of news headlines I spoke about before. And it makes you wonder, why would God be okay with that? For example, here's what a couple of people said. Uh, Person number one, I think God is peaceful and loving,
1: but... I wish he'd do something about cancer. Here was another response. God is confusing
0: and merciful all at once. How can he let a 10-year-old die, but a paedophile live? See, most of us have this idea that God is loving, right? But the world is full of, to put it bluntly, awful things, painful things. And it makes
1: you wonder, why would God be okay with this kind of stuff happening? Why doesn't he do something? Does God even care? That's, that's our question for today. Does God even care? On the answer, I want to say,
0: this is a really personal question that a lot of us will struggle with. Again, whether you're a believer or a skeptic. Also, it's a huge question. I can't possibly cover everything today. So if you do want to keep chatting around afterwards, uh, I'm going to say I'll be around. There's plenty of other people here to have their chat as well. Please do come and catch people later on. But here's what I want to do today then. I want to have a look at what the Bible says. And my hope is to show you at the end of today why you still might think God is good news. That the God of the Bible is good news even though we live in a world where this kind of suffering and evil exists. That's my hope for that. So let, let, let's go then. Firstly, probably, I'm probably worth saying, the Bible's not shy about suffering. The Bible is full of people who experience suffering in their lives. Just think of David, for example. David was perhaps uh, the greatest king in Israel's history, but he was a guy who suffered deeply. Uh, I want to just put up a couple of verses here. This is from Psalm 31. It's a song that David wrote. And just look what he says about his life. He says, "My life." is consumed by anguish, my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. You can feel the pain in his words there, can't you? Or what about uh, Job? The, the, in the Bible, there's, we meet a guy called Job. He was a godly man, a devout follower of God. But he suffered greatly. Uh, at one point in life, things were very well for Job, but then he lost his wealth, everything he'd worked for in life. Uh, his children died, and then his own health went backwards. And as much as Job cries out to God about this, he never finds out why this has happened to him. Or what about Paul from the New Testament? In one of Paul's letters, he speaks about the kind of troubles that he's faced in his life. Just take a look at what he says. It's incredible This He says, Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea. And in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. An intense life he's lived, right? None of these guys, not David, not Job, not Paul, none of them would 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 say that they're perfect, right? But, but they are all very devout followers of God, and you could think if anyone's going to be spared, surely it's
1: these guys, right? And yet here they are, they're copying as much as anyone else, and so you think, why, why them? Why the pain at all? What has God got to say for himself?
0: Well, in the Bible, we see. Uh, the Bible talks generally about a world that's broken. That is this, we're talking here in a general sense. This is not specific to you that you are broken, you're broken. But, but as a whole, we're all broken. Not that the world is made this way. There's no design flaw. Actually, God made a good world. But something's happened. Something's gone wrong. and The Bible says that thing is human sin. It says that sin is something we all do. It's this attitude we have where we want to say, look, uh, no, God, I don't want to do things your way. Can you just go away and let me live my life my way? That's that's at the heart of sin. But sin has consequences. You can figure out, right, it it, it puts relational strain between us and God. If we're telling God to shove off, it's going to have an impact. But also, sin wreaks havoc on God's good world. In particular, I just want to point out two ways that sin wrecks things. Firstly, it means that, that, that we, humans, we hurt each other. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. Right? You just look at the news and you see what's going on uh, between Israel and, and Hamas and the, and the Palestinians. Or what's happening in, in Ukraine and, and Russia right now. Horrible things. Sin has broken us, and broken people do broken things. We hurt each other. But of course, it's not just those big things either. I mean, we can see this in our own lives. It's, it's that gossip that, 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 I, that I find myself involved with, just because it makes me feel bigger as I bring someone else down. Or those the, the small acts of selfishness that just seem to come so much more naturally than, than being selfless. Sin wreaks havoc on God's world because we hurt each other. But, but sin has also kind of broken the world. And broken things show signs that they're broken. I'll say that again. Broken things show signs that they're broken. I give you an example here? Last week, I was at home and I flicked on the kettle to get a cup of coffee. And I went away to do something else. Um, and I came back and I realized that the kettle's not, not, not on, but also the water's not hot. What's going wrong? I don't know. So I check the power board and realize it had tripped. So I just flick the power board back on, flip the kettle back on. Where we're going to be good, right? The kettle starts boiling again. And now I start to think, something doesn't smell right here. And so I've gone to the power, turned the power point straight off, and I look down, and the power board is starting to pour out smoke out of the side of it. I think, okay, that's not good. I'm no good with, with being a handyman, but I, even I know that is not a good thing. And now in our kitchen, we have a new power board. These broken things show signs that they're broken. And this is a good thing, right, that the, the, the power board tripped. It started smoking. It's all there to tell me something's wrong here. It's telling me it's broken, that it needs to be fixed or, in our place, replaced. Um, there's a sense in which that's kind of what's going on in our world here too. Um, it's broken, and so it shows signs of being broken. You hear about natural disasters, don't we? It's because our world is broken. We get sick and we catch diseases and we get infections. And sometimes there's even worldwide pandemics because our world is not right. Sin has broken things. And you see then that sin,
1: somewhere along the line of sin, is going to need to get fixed. Now, we can grasp this. We, we, we can understand what the Bible is saying here, right? We might even believe it. But that still doesn't take away the pain we feel when suffering touches our life.
0: And even if we believe this, it still doesn't answer every question. Like the one we started with why can the pedophile live a full life and a young kid die in a car crash? It just feels so uneven, right? Because some people get less pain. And some people get more pain. Why? It feels uneven. But but maybe even uneven is not the right word. Maybe, maybe even it feels unjust at times, right? Like the wrong people get less pain and the wrong people get more pain. What's God got to
1: say about all this? What, what, what's, what's, what's his response? What's he going to do? Or, or does he just not care at all? Here's the thing with God. He's not distant. And he's not just willing to let this go on and on and on.
0: God deals with pain and suffering. I want to show you now. When God deals with pain and suffering, it involves him getting his hands dirty with it. So as as we go through the Bible, we end up meeting Jesus. Jesus is unique. Because Jesus is both God and human. He's the God-man. That is, Jesus is God. He's the second person of the Trinity, God the Son. But he's he's put on flesh and he's become human. Jesus is, is God come into our world. And so you might think, well, what's Jesus like then when he's with us? How, how does he respond to pain and suffering when he's on earth? Well, we see this a number of times. In the life of Jesus... Um, He's often moved with compassion when he sees people suffering. So in Mark chapter 8, Jesus sees hungry people. And he's moved with compassion. He doesn't want to see these people starve. Jesus also weeps over death. Like in John chapter 11, a close friend of Jesus has died. And Jesus breaks down and, and weeps
1: over it. We also see, too, in the Bible that, that when Jesus is around, he actually heals people who are suffering. This happens lots in
0: the Bible, but I just want to draw your attention to one kind of episode of this. Now, this is from Mark chapter 5. Now, I've mentioned Mark a couple of times. Mark is a, a biography of Jesus' life, um, written by a guy surprisingly named Mark. Um, anyhow, this particular time, Mark records a time when Jesus, he's, he's, he's in a crowd of people, and in this big crowd, one guy, a dad, comes up to him. And the dad begs Jesus, come to my place, please. Because his
1: little daughter, his precious baby girl, is sick. And there's nothing that his dad can do to help her. She's dying.
0: And so Jesus goes like, okay, let's go. Yeah. And of course, the crowd wants to follow along too. So there's this big crowd pushing and shoving around Jesus. They're heading towards this guy's house. And in this crowd, there's a woman who reaches out and touches Jesus. Now, the thing you need to know about this woman is that She's sick. In like fact, she'd been sick for 12 years. Right? This is a, a chronic, long-term thing. She's tried doctors. She's tried everything. And nothing has worked. And yet when she reaches out and she touches Jesus, instantly she feels something has changed in her. She, she knows she's been healed. And, and Jesus kind of stops the whole crowd. And he, and he ends up speaking to this woman. And just the way he speaks to her, it's full of warmth and compassion. But this delay brings bad news for the dad. Some people come from
1: his house and they say, look, it's too late. She's gone. You can imagine how the dad feels at this point, right? But Jesus is uh, hes not deterred at all. He keeps going. He says,
0: "He grabs the dad and says, no, we're going to your place. And, and, and they get to the dad's place and Jesus shoos away most of the people. And so it's just Jesus, a couple of his close disciples, the mum, and the dad and the, the dead girl's body in this room.
1: And with a touch, Jesus brings life back to her dead body. And she's healed. I mean, there's there's more stories we could go
0: to that, that, that illustrate this point, right? But, but you see, Jesus actually cares. When he's here on earth, he cares about suffering.
1: He does something about it. That's why he's healing. But there's something I want to say that's even more significant about Jesus. Not
0: just that he heals sufferers. It's not just that that, that he weeps
1: or has compassion when he sees pain. Here's the thing about Jesus. He himself suffers. And in particular, Jesus suffers when he goes to the cross. I wonder how many people here have seen
0: this movie, The Passion of the Christ. Throw your hand up if you've seen this movie. Uh, a lot of us, yeah, great. So, so, this is made in 2004, so it's getting on 20 years old now. Um, if you didn't know anything about this movie, if all you heard about this movie was the, 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 the name of it, The Passion of the Christ, I wonder what you'd think about the movie. Maybe it's about Jesus' hobbies, you know, the things he liked to do on the side, what, what he was passionate about. And so you might go into the movie expecting like a a gentle movie about Jesus hanging out with his friends and long walks along the beach. And if you did, you'd be shocked because this is a very gory movie. It it, it follows Jesus in like the last kind of 24 hours of his life and it shows his crucifixion in sickening detail. But it's called the Passion of the Christ because that word passion, it comes from the the Latin word which means to endure, to suffer. Because that's what the cross is about for Jesus. Here he is, the God-man, and on the cross, he suffers. He endures pain in ways that most of us will never, ever even get close to. So what I want to do now is Eve is going to come up, and she's going to read for us from the Bible. She's going to read from Mark chapter 15. Again, Mark is recording here for us what Jesus, uh, what happened for Jesus before his crucifixion and as he's being crucified. And as we read through, I want you to notice, how does Jesus suffer here? That's what you notice. Okay, go for it, Eve. Thank you.
2: Reading from Mark chapter 15, verses 16 to 37. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and came together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him and they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spat on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him, and when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And then they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see which would get, which each would get. It was nine in the morning, When they crucified him, the written notice of the charge against him read, King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, "Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani." My God, my God, why have you
1: forsaken
2: me? When those who stand, those standing near, heard this, they said, "Listen, he's calling Elijah." Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. (coughs) With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last.
1: Well, Jesus went through quite a bit there, didn't he?
0: crown of thorns was pressed into his head. He was mocked. He was hit on the head with a kind of stick. People spat upon him. He was so beaten up that they needed somebody else to carry the cross up the hill. And then Jesus was crucified.
1: Crucifixion was about shame and pain. Jesus was stripped naked.
0: Uh, They put nails through his wrists and then one through both legs into the cross. And then he's hung up like that to be insulted by the crowds as they pass by, mocked by the leaders as they come to watch. And this went on for six hours. until Jesus had no more energy in his body until he couldn't pull his body up by the nails through his wrists and his legs anymore. And so it says he breathed his last
1: and he suffocated. Jesus really did suffer. I want to ask that why question again. Why is this happening? And you could say
0: there's lots of reasons here, right? This is the jealousy of the Jewish leaders that they didn't like Jesus and brought this on. Or it was Pilate, who was such a coward, he wouldn't stand up to the crowds he gave to their demands. Or it was because of the Romans, who were so violent and become experts in torture. And we could go on and on. There's lots of reasons, but, but there's something more. And you see it in Jesus' last words. I mean, people's last words can often be meaningless, right? Uh, you know Elvis Presley, great rock and roll singer? Um, do you know what his last words were? He did, he did, and here's the reason why. So uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus, Elvis, uh, Elvis is lying in bed next to his fiancée, and he can't get to sleep. He's he's reading his book with the light on, and eventually decides, I don't want to keep my fiancée up by keeping light anymore. Um, so he turns and he says to her, I'm going to the bathroom to read. Turns off his light, walks into the bathroom, and a few hours later, that's where his
1: body is found. His last words are not terribly profound, are they? Jesus' last words, however, are different.
0: Mark recorded them in verse 34. Um, Jesus cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani? Now, Mark has recorded them there in the language that Jesus spoke every day. This is Aramaic. Uh, but Mark's also
1: given us a translation of what this means. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a, it's a cry that speaks of terrible
0: loneliness, right? And we kind of get this, like, you know, if you're reading all of Mark, Mark tells us just the the, the night before, all of Jesus' friends had abandoned him. But here's something something different, something more dramatic is taking place. Here we have God, the Son, Jesus, in eternal relationship with God, the Father. but, But in this moment, the Father is turning his back on the Son. It's what you'd expect God to do. To an evil person like the Hitlers of the world, right? But not to Jesus. And this is precisely the point. Remember our our, our sin, right? How we kind of say, no, shove off God. This is what makes God's world be broken. It's the thing that needs to be fixed. Here we see Jesus taking the sin of the world on his shoulders.
1: Jesus is facing the punishment for that sin in himself. Jesus is suffering. Not because he's done something wrong and deserves it. No, Jesus is suffering here for us. Have you heard the rumors about Vladimir Putin, the the Russian president?
0: Rumors suggest um, he keeps using body doubles all over the place. Now, of course, uh, the Russian officials have come out and said, no, no, that's not true, not true at all. But the rumors keep persisting. that There are these guys that look like Putin, or perhaps have had even surgery to look a bit more like Putin, and they get sent out across the city, sometimes just to be seen, sometimes to do work for him, so that people are never really sure then, is this the real Putin or not? Which is actually a good thing for the real Putin, because he knows there are people who want to assassinate him. But if you try and take a pot shot at him, The question is, are you actually going to get the real guy? Or are you going to kill one of the body doubles instead? That's why Putin is doing this. He's using body doubles so that they can step in, so that they will take the bullet instead of him. That's kind of like what Jesus has done for us. Not that he was forced to or
1: bribed to. This was his choice. To step in. To feel the weight of sin. And to suffer. For us. Okay. Why is all this matter then? Two things I want to say. Firstly, it shows us God knows what it is like to suffer. Hear that again, friends. Your God knows what it is like to suffer. Because that's what he did in the person of Jesus. There's something powerful in that, that, isn't there? That when pain touches your life,
0: in that moment you can know that the God who made you, the God who cares for you, he knows
1: what you're going through. He's felt the pain you feel. Because he's gone through it too. Second thing, second reason why this matters. Because Jesus can now guarantee us a new world where there is no suffering. Uh, the crazy thing about Jesus
0: is that he didn't stay dead. Mark records for us that a few days later his tomb was empty. Jesus was not dead. He had risen. And, and the Bible goes on to explain to us, this, this shows us God is satisfied with Jesus. Jesus. God has accepted his sacrifice for us. It worked. We now no longer have to fear any punishment for our sins. And instead now, Jesus offers us a place in his, this new world. And in this new world, the whole problem of pain and suffering is fixed because the sin problem is done away with. It's not here yet, but Jesus is promising a time will come when he's going to make things new again. And part of that is putting an end to suffering. There is a line through pain. Take a look at how one part of the Bible describes this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven. The first earth had passed away, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He'll dwell with them. They'll be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain.
1: For the old order of things has passed away. Let that ring around your head for a moment. No dying. No tears. No pain. No suffering. This is the place you want to be, isn't it? Let me, let me try and wrap things up then. Again,
0: no doubt there is still much more that could be said. If you want to keep chatting, grab me later, grab a friend later, keep talking. But my hope is that you're seeing how God might be good news, how Jesus it might be good news, even in a world where there is so much evil and so much pain. Because God is not sitting up there unconcerned about all this. No, no, he does care. In fact, in Jesus, he gets his hands dirty and suffers. Jesus suffers for us to fix the sin problem, to bring us back to God and to promise us a world then where pain does no longer exist.
1: This is good news, isn't it? So what do we do with this? Well, particularly if you're someone here today and, you're not a believer, you're a skeptic,
0: you're not really sure about all this Jesus stuff. I just wanted to say, I reckon it's time, isn't it, to to properly check out Jesus for yourself. Time to see if he really could be worth following. How could you do that? What kind of next steps could you take to check out Jesus more? I was going to say three things, and they're going to be really quick. Firstly, you're probably here because you've got a friend who is a believer. Why not just start a conversation with them? Ask them why they follow Jesus. What convinced them? What do they love about him? Uh, Number two, why not read about Jesus for yourself? Now, I've spoken a couple of times about Mark's gospel. Mark's a part of the Bible. Um, It's written by, again, a guy called Mark. He's just recording Jesus' life for us. Uh, There are copies like this on the back table up there for free. Just grab one, take it home with you. It's just got Mark's Gospel in it. It's kind of just 50-something pages, so it's not very long. Give it a read and check out Jesus for yourself. Number three, why not come along to the Life Series? Now, Ada's going to tell us a bit more about this in a moment. Um, she's nodding, so all good. Um, but let me just give a quick plug here. Life runs over four weeks. Uh, it's at a pub, but it's, it's, our aim is to make it as relaxed as possible. Uh, we'll just talk about the key things about Christianity. Um, you'll have a chance to ask any questions if you want to. If you're just the kind of person who wants to sit back and take it all in, you're welcome to do that. But we'll give you the things that will help you make a call for yourself about Jesus and whether you might want to follow him too.
1: It's time for me to step down there. Why don't, before I do, why don't I pray for us? Let me pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. And particularly we thank you that he suffered, that he felt pain. Thank you that he can sympathize with us when we feel pain. Thank
0: you that he did this so that the sin problem could be fixed, so that we could be restored to you. Thank you that Jesus then promises us a world where pain does not exist, so please help us all cry out to you in the midst of our pain. And for those of us who need to just take a few next
1: steps to figure out Jesus for ourselves, please help us have the courage to do that. And pray this in Christ's name. Amen.